1: Welcome into another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. And Judd, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned expansion draft. It only cost the Vegas Golden Knights $500 million (laughs) to get themselves into this godforsaken league. But you know, after all this fun, this has been more entertaining than half of the playoffs or more. To just talk about this expansion draft. I've been playing with the TSN tool where you can go and expansion draft. I posted our expansion drafts, which the team will look nothing like that because there's going to be a ton of trades. Oh yeah, exactly. But I posted ours. I did like five more, just to see what I could build and how. Taking different approaches, I think the talking about all the potential trades and who they might pick. I think this has been more fun than most hockey games. In
0: all of sports, (laughs) can can you think of now? In all of sports, can you think of an actual on the field game that's more fun th- than the speculation of roster construction and mm-hmm. trades? Football, basketball, hockey and baseball. I think I enjoy now the start of free agency mm-hmm. and trading periods absolutely the most. Like I like the games still they're fun, but I love the just the the complete amount of reckless, irresponsible speculation and and w- when those periods start, I actually think that's my most fun in
1: sports now. I think if you look at our web hit numbers that fans would agree with you, a lot of them. I mean, you name but, me a Timberwolves game that's as much fun as the yeah. yearly Jimmy Butler uh, conversation. Well, I think when you get a really, really good any one of those, you get a really, really good baseball game. Uh, the Joe Mauer walk-off from earlier this year, for example, is a really good game or – You know, uh, one of the wild playoff games. There were a couple that were really compelling. The one that they scored Zach Parisi at the end. Yeah, I know they scored once. I was going to say. But Parisi, (laughs) when you get a really good one, yeah, I guess I would take that over speculating about the roster. But. Then you I'm get you, day to day though day to day, and I you just, think about the playoffs too, and you know you got somebody hacking somebody's face off, and concussions, <laughs> and <laughs> terrible calls that cost Nashville a Stanley Cup. Sidney
0: Crosby throwing things on the ice.
1: And somebody went through all the different calls throughout the playoffs that went Pittsburgh's way that helped them out. Some that I forgot about. Yep. Uh, one was the um, Nick Benino fake high sticking. That solidified a win for Pittsburgh. Yep. Of course, at the end with Nashville, the penalty numbers is like, man, I'm not a conspiracy guy for the league wants blank to win, but I, you gotta feel like Pittsburgh got away with one through well, the, the whole, through the, the, the whole league, thing.
0: I think we can safely say that Gary Bettman and the league is very happy when Sidney Crosby is carrying the chalice around. Yeah. And plus, you know, PK Subban. He can't win it. He dances during pregame arm Well, Phil Kessel now has two cups. So that You know what, though? Because he, he's playing with Crosby. And I feel for those poor fans in Boston and Toronto who ripped Kessel apart for years, right? This guy can't win. He goes, he joins Sydney, and now he's got two cups.
1: <laughs> and he's a former goal. Yeah, uh, and he played well in well, uh, maybe not as well this year as he did last. Last year, year. last good year, but he right. was still at the top in shots. I think he didn't have some of the shot luck before, but but the
0: league is it's... definitely not upset that the Pittsburgh Penguins won the
1: cup. This year. No, I don't think they are, it, and it really Kessel was kind of like we talk about with the Wild, where he was a really good player uh, on Toronto when they were a mess of a franchise or only mildly competitive. And he was the really good player. Yes. He's not Sidney Crosby. He's not a franchise carry your team to the cup level player. So he ends up getting all the criticism, even though this is what he should have been all along, like a second line scorer. He was
0: Kessel's problem is, is he became the focal point of the fans and media in Toronto, which is the Yankees basically. And had no interest. Phil Kessel wanted to finish the game, go to his locker, take a shower, get dressed, and go home. Right. Phil Kessel would have been very... During that that portion of his career, I'm pretty convinced that if he had played in Arizona or Florida, he would have been a
1: very happy guy. Because there would have been one beat guy there to talk to him, and then he's gone. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And the criticisms. The famous one is the hot dog. That he was eating hot dogs before games. Which... I mean, who cares? And really, I talked. Just funny. I talked to some Sports. hockey players about this, about Phil Kessel and his weight. And one of the things that hockey players sometimes obsess too much over is losing weight. They think I got to lose weight. I got to get faster. But that wasn't the weight where you became great at. Yeah. And that can cause you to maybe get hurt or not be comfortable with the weight that you're playing at. So with Kessel. A little chunky, kind of works for him. I'll
0: defend Phil here too. I think Phil was born with a bad body, (laughs) and as somebody who doesn't have the best physique himself, disagree. disagree. As somebody who who has a questionable don't do that to your physique. I think you know what? I think God sometimes says we're going to give you a good body, and you're going to have a bad one. It doesn't mean that you can't be a great athlete, right? I think Phil. I think when push comes to shove,
1: he was just born with a pretty bad body. Yeah, I think he's a good athlete. Really, it's kind of his face. Like, he's just got a fat face. He's got a weird pear-shaped deal. Yeah, he does. Going, though. Yeah. And I
0: don't know that he's fat. I just think he's poorly built. And but I, it doesn't I, matter in hockey.
1: I really think it plays a role in how people look at him. Oh, because he, he's a one-dimensional player, he's not tough. When he comes out with the media, he doesn't give you those guys, we're going to change the culture, we're going to grit the grittiness out of this gritty game. I'm going to go punch a Canadian. Uh, He doesn't doesn't give you that.
0: No, what I'm saying is if Phil is destined to be on on a bad team, he very much would like to play for the Coyotes, where one person (laughs) comes down and talks to you, and then you go play golf or you go to the bar or you go do something else.
1: In Pittsburgh, he doesn't get the pressure because it all
0: goes to Sid.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Well, and Pittsburgh's got
0: Sid. They've got Malkin. They've got some defensemen who I think like to talk. Yep. So, probably. so my guess is Kessel plays the game, and unless he scores a couple goals, he's out of there. Right. Yeah. And he, in Toronto, they would go to Phil and be like, "You explain why the Maple Leafs haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967." And Phil's like, "I don't know. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. You
1: think I care? Right. I'm an I, American. You doorknobs. I just skate down the wing and shoot. Like, yeah. And that's the thing too is that when you have a star winger who's just a scorer, I think we find this with someone like Mikael Granlund. That if he's not scoring, he's really not effective. Correct. He doesn't do anything for you. And right. when Granlin stopped scoring against Jake Allen in the playoffs, he was not an effective player. He was not giving the Wild more possession. You he don't wasn't see him. physically imposing right? himself on the other team. You, like, you yeah, just don't see He him. just disappears. And that's the same thing with Kessel. And I think when that's your franchise player. You get all the pressure and all the criticism. Mm-hmm. It can't be your franchise player if you're going to win a Stanley Cup though. As we see again, there is not a Stanley Cup winner that you can find that does not have a superstar center. You just can't well, find Well
0: you've one. been saying that since since this podcast started and before, and you're I'm yes. Which that's correct. By the way,
1: let's go there with the wild and real quick. They don't have that star center, by the way. However, they were linked trade talks yes. to Jonathan Druin. Now, I don't know if he's a superstar two-way center. He's more of a one-dimensional player. Yes. But with Montreal trading for Druin, now there's lots of rumors that Alex Galchenyuk could be on the market as well. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the idea of the Wild trying to chase Alex Galchenyuk?
0: Uh, It was interesting because the stories that I read over the weekend when there was rumors that the Wild was in trade talks with the Canadians that would have sent Brodine to Montreal... Um, what I kept reading was Golchenyuk in the Wilds' plan would play wing. So if he's going to play wing, I, I mean, I like him. I think it's a decent pickup. Uh, but that being said, it doesn't address what you just brought up, which is a number one center who is considered to be a star player. and And on the Wild protected list for the expansion draft and the not protected players, Eric Stahl was not, not protected, and we heard a lot already from fans saying, but he had a great year. How can you not protect Eric Stahl? And my comeback continues to be he's 32 years old. He's coming off a season in which he led the Wild in goals. He had a very nice bounce-back year, but he bounced back from what was two years ago, not a good year at all. And I, as much as I appreciate what Stahl did, and I think he's a nice piece of the puzzle, uh, to piggyback on what you're talking about, if you are talking about trying to win a cup with a star center on your top line, I don't think if you get Galchenyuk or currently with Stahl that you have that. And I don't know that you can find that because, and this is the Wild's biggest problem, and no one could have seen that this coming, I don't think, is the salary cap remains or is going to stay flat. Uh-huh. So go, So when you have Parisian and Suter going out and getting a star player is next to, if not, damn near impossible.
1: I would like to oh, see, see them. That's good. I would like to see them get Galchenyuk, and I would like to see him play center. I know he's flawed defensively, and it's only the two-way guys that usually win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, There aren't too many one-dimensional scoring centers. Matt Duchesne does not have a Stanley Cup. He's the guy I think of first when I think of pure scoring, one-dimensional, flies up the ice, scores, that sort of thing. But... I think Gelchenyuk, when I watched him play center mm-hmm. for the times he was allowed in that truck fire of a franchise in Montreal, that's a big part for me, is they do the most bizarre, wackadoodle things, including trading P.K. Subban. They made a genius move signing Alexander Radulov, but now he's a free agent, so he might just go somewhere else. Um, so they do bad things all the time. Galchenyuk does have issues in his defensive zone. But when he's playing center and he's got the puck all the time, Mm -hmm. I think that he would be good enough to even raise his play from being a good scorer to a great scorer under Bruce Boudreaux. And I think it could kind of be like a Granlund thing if he played wing, uh, and that would be good for them because he can carry the puck and make spectacular plays. I think there's development there that could still happen because he hasn't gotten to play center a whole lot. And Eric Stahl is not a long-term solution at center for this team. No, he's not. I would be thinking about the long-term solution. I wouldn't also shy away from trading someone like Charlie Coyle. Even though he's got that amazing contract, he's disappointing. He disappointed in the playoffs. He, at some points during the regular season, was putrid for long stretches of time. I was going to say, for a long point. I mean, he got off to a good start, and then he just went away. And also, Montreal likes someone who's tall. So, I don't know. I know what Montreal is probably looking to fill out their defensive depth, and they would like someone like Marco Scandella. But then if you lose Matt Dumba in the expansion draft, then you're way down defensively. Yeah, you can't because I'm not a Scandella
0: fan, but can you – because I think that you're going to lose Dumba. I don't think you can now afford to lose Scandella because now you've got what? If you lose if you lose both those guys, you've got Suter, Brodeen, Spurgeon, who I love – but after that, there's a, a significant drop-off to your four.
1: Right. Olafson is probably the guy, and we don't know what we have. Though.
0: Right. So the sca- if you weren't going to lose Dumba and you traded Scandella, go for it. I love that. But with their current uh, potential losses, which you've got to think that the Golden Knights are going to take Dumba, I don't think you can trade Scandella then, too.
1: You know, when the Wild traded for Martin Hanzel, I thought it was great. This is a great move. You've got to go for it now. Forget the first pick. Fill out your depth. Edmonton's going to be coming in the future with Connor McDavid. They're going to own the West, so you've got a chance. The West is weak. I mean, if you think about it, Nashville makes the Stanley Cup final. Their underlying numbers were better than where they were in the standings, but they weren't even the first or second best team in their own division. By the standings. Yeah. And they're the ones that reached the Stanley Cup Final, which really kind of validates the opinion that this was the year that if a weaker team was going to do it, they were. Blackhawks are down. Kings are down. It was wide open. Right? So I was for it then, and I would defend it because of that now. But here's the regret. You can't give Vegas your first round pick to keep Dumba. Losing Dumba is a big kick in the stomach i think i think dumba is the exact type of player who gets over criticized for defense because that's the way hockey works Mm -hmm. and when i look at pittsburgh and justin schultz and how poor he was defensively in edmonton and got criticized and got benched and everything and then got traded Mm -hmm. and then he goes to pittsburgh and he doesn't have to handle all of the pressure of being the top defenseman and all the expectations And then he's one of the better scorers in the league for a defense. He's very, very effective. Mm -hmm. I think that's where Dumba fits in on this team. I like that for your potential to help you win more than I like Jonas Brodeen. But I understand why they protected him. I think you are probably looking back going... Gosh, I wish we could just give something to Vegas. Maybe they will. I mean, maybe they'll trade a forward to Vegas and say, "We'll trade you so this could you, forward to not draft." Him. So could you get
0: could you get a deal? Could you give them enough See, but the problem is this. Fletcher has traded so many picks. At some point in time, you probably have to stop. But could you give them enough future assets to get them? I believe if I'm not mistaken, technically they could take Hansel because he's going he's going to be an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. Yep. But if they do that, they're going to want things with him. Could you put together any type of deal? And I hate to keep trading draft picks because this has got to be a problem uh, with Hansel to get them to make that move.
1: I think you've got to give them a prospect who's who's on his way like a a green uh, greenway. Oh boy. That hurts. Yeah, this is not good. Um, Or, uh, and Alex talk or see, they're not
0: going to trade those guys though. That, that group like the Russian kid who played in the world juniors, he's and, really good and greenway and Tuck and, uh, and the kid from Wisconsin. Koonin, I would
1: want the Russian kid and
0: Kunin I don't, I don't think that they'll trade th- those guys cause they see them now as the next group of young guys coming up. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on Dumba that it hurts. That being said, I think the reality of this discussion is, the Wild very much remains in a we want to win now mode. And Dumba, for all his potential and the fact that offensively, I think he's gifted, uh, Brodeen brings a skill set that you take for granted until it's gone. He brings a Brodeen is an incredibly steady player. And the thing about about Brodin is he can cover up for his own and teammates' mistakes and look and he makes it look seamless. So I think their concern is if they were to expose Brodine and keep Dumba, Dumba brings a lot. He brings a great shot, can play on the power play, uh, and certainly can contribute. But when, just from, from the eye test caller, when Dumba screws up, it's usually a killer. And I think that's their concern.
1: It is, but I think that some of that killerness is overstated now, Uh, Especially with how great the goaltending is in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. And I went through and looked over the last three years, and Matt Dumba has the best goals for percentage uh, of all Minnesota Wild defensemen over the last three years. So when he's on the ice, they're outscoring opponents by more with him on the ice than anyone else on defense. And they're scoring more goals. They are giving up a little, just slightly more goals but not by a ton. I mean, we're talking about the actual numbers here are 2.2 compared to other guys that are giving up 2.09. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a, a huge difference of what's actually being given up. And if I look at the competition that Dumba has faced, because I, I know that some people would say, well, that's because, uh, you know, he, they, they protect them. Not by much though. I mean, the top, top, Lines are always going against Ryan Suter and against Jared Spurgeon, as they should. Those are your best players. Yes. Right behind that is Dumba and Brodeen. They have similar competition. They use Dumba a little more in the offensive zone. But what I'm seeing is it is overstated. It is not a disaster when he's out on the ice. This is three years of data now, and he's only 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's but okay.
0: that's the scary thing here. The scary thing is what you just said. He's 22. Mm-hmm. He's still very, very young. If the rest of his game comes together, you're talking about an all-star player. You're talking about a guy who's going to be really, really good. I mean, this was tough. There was no there was no good guy to lose, and you're right. If you had a first-round pick, I think you'd go to George McPhee, the GM of Vegas, and you would say, George, here's a first and, like, a, I don't know, fourth-round pick. Take this. Give us D- Dumba back. That being said, I think that the wild protected list, other than the fact that Pominville said clearly said no uh, to, to waive his no move clause, besides that, I think the wild protected list is prob- probably where I w- would have come out exactly the same. Uh, because if you had been able to expose Pominville, you probably protect Stall. Which, but to me, they're not going to take Stall. So. The Brodeen conversation is an interesting one, but in this case, I will say that what Fletcher turned in as a protected list probably would have been the same thing that I I would have done in the same circumstance.
1: It, what's interesting to me is that Brodeen had a bounce back year from a really down year. Yeah, that's oh, and he that's had good, his he had point. his best year and still was not higher than Matt Dumba in terms of goals for percentage, had the exact same quality of competition, mm-hmm. and I believe if I load this up here, Dumba was the highest again, and he was. He was the highest for the goals they scored just a shade above Jared Spurgeon. Goals scored four per 60 minutes. All these numbers at age 22 say to me, this is a guy you want. Well, and, and I know the thing is with him, yep. and it happens a lot, it used to happen with Chris Latang. There were a lot of people that argued early in his career that Chris Letang was, was just too wild. Sometimes he'd go flying up the ice and have a turnover, and it would turn into a goal. Yeah. And all the numbers said the same thing, though, that, yeah, that does happen, but he's producing way more goals than most people are. And I tend to lean toward that. Uh, and I know that you might have to protect Dumba a little bit going forward, but you still can because Spurgeon and Suter, I give them another at least two, three years of being a top-notch pair. So there's no question that I would have gone with Dumba instead of Brodin. Though I agree with your assessment. Well, it's a tough. Yeah, it, it it's tough. The fear here is this: Did you
0: just expose uh, in, in this draft Brent Burns?
1: Well, right. No, yeah. but but I mean that's, yeah. Yeah. that's because he's got that's, that's the, where he's not that quite that talented. But yes, yet, did you yet. just give away another highly but this uh, team offensive defenseman? But we all
0: know this in this league now: finding gifted offensive. Defensive players, defensemen is really, really tough. Uh-huh. So you're, so yes, I I am completely with, with you in saying, if I'm Fletcher, what's keeping me up at night right now is I fear that there is a fighting chance that I basically just gave Brent Burns away after I traded Burns in a trade where, if you look back, you do you do say okay, by not bringing him back, uh, we were able to sign Parisi and Suter. But all of that being said, you developed a really good player. In Brent Burns, and he walked, or you traded him. So now, ha- have you developed an ascending defensive blue liner in Dumba, and he's going to be gone? And the worst
1: part about this is he's going to be gone for nothing. And yeah, you didn't. So tra- I see your point. You didn't trade him, right? I mean, that's the thing is that there probably would be a dozen teams or more who would have been interested in Matt Dumba, but I think around the league there can be people lowballing you, thinking that they you know, can at sure. that point, there would also be potentially people who also underrate Matt Dumba that the rest of the league right. doesn't look at him and say, oh, that's a top notch defenseman, even though the numbers say that he deserves to be considered as uh, one of the better for that role for a second pair type role mm-hmm. in the league. He's probably up to in the upper echelon of that.
0: So do you think that they, they shopped him, didn't like what they were told and now are going to turn around in desperation and try and work a trade with McPhee to keep him? Because that, that would be the one thing is this, if you've decided he's gone, it makes no sense that you didn't trade him. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, I mean, get something back. So I wonder if, if Fletcher in the back of his mind is thinking, okay, uh, going up to the time when when the Golden Knights have to present their list of players they've picked, I can still convince
1: them to take something or two things and keep Dumba. I think you would have to give them one of those prospects. And if you're Maybe Mc... they will. But if you're McPhee, why do I want a prospect when I can get a 22-year-old defenseman who's ready right now and is already putting up numbers? Maybe they. Why will, would yeah. I want that? I can build around this guy for ten years. I would want a prospect and at least a draft pick. Yeah. I, well, I'd want a first, at very least, but they don't have one. Right.
0: And, well, he- and and the one thing that they've done consistently is they have traded away so
1: many draft picks. Maybe there was a case to trade one at the deadline. One of these guys. I mean I know that they were really competitive but Ow. they knew this was they knew this was coming and here here's the <laughs> one thing a, that's a dicey trade but though. but here but here's the one thing that I, I wrote about it at the time was when Brodeen got hurt yep. how many goals would it actually be worth to lose Jonas Brodeen? and the fact that he doesn't produce a whole lot offensively himself and the team doesn't score as much with him on the ice as they do Dumba. Scandella's gone up and down over the last few years, and that's my was a little bit of my concern there. This year, he had a worse year than uh, Brodine did, so maybe the conversation could have been about good, him too. Good playoff, but yeah, in the season he was w- way inconsistent. I agree. You're he right. was he was very good in the good playoffs. in the playoffs. So. But if you replaced one of those guys yep. with uh, Gustav Olofsson, a little in over his head whatever what would the difference have been in overall goals and overall performance and it probably wasn't that much since he is not a big producer himself it's the most it can be it can be the most overrated thing is the guy who is the defensively sound because they're much easier to find than they are for offensive dynamos Mm -hmm. so even though I like Brodine and all the things you described about his game are good he can go out there and face the best he's a great skater but his first exit pass is not what Matt Dumba's is he does not pick up the puck and drive it up the ice like Matt Dumba can he doesn't have the shot that Matt Dumba has so I think in a lot of people's minds that's either even or leans toward the defensive guy yeah but I think when you actually analyze the 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 numbers and the facts on that it almost always leans toward the offensive guy.
0: I, th- I think the X factor in, in this entire conversation regarding Dumba is this: to maturity.
1: I yeah, think that, yeah. but but in fairness to him,
0: he's 22. He's 22. I think the maturity on and off the ice is probably not what the team wants to see. See, but here's where here's where our sport is an interesting sport too. We are caught up in a sport that has a lot of old timers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you. If at the deadline, Fletcher had gone to, to Boudreaux and said, Bruce, I got an idea. We're going to lose one of these guys in the expansion draft. Therefore, we're going to cut this off at the pass, and I'm going to trade Brodeen right now. An old schooler like Boudreaux would have been like, I will lie down in front of the Zamboni and die before <laughs> you... So, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, so, like, you could go present empirical evidence, statistically... All of that, and say this makes sense. And Olson's not going to kill us. And guess what? Come June and July, we're going to be pleased. We're going to be very happy when when Matt Dumba's not being taken. By the Golden Knights, for nothing, the old school hockey coach can be like i don't care no you 're not doing it and so we 're
1: in a position to win right there exactly so there 's a team
0: so i, I mean that that 's a controversial trade idea, regardless, but I think when you 're talking about a sport that has so many people that embrace the this is how i 've done it for years and years." actually going to Boudreaux and saying, this is my idea, he'd say, you're crazy, get out right now. Yeah, Before probably right I call Craig.
1: That. I do think that Boudreaux is uh, more forward-thinking than some coaches and is inventive and bright, but if you're talking about taking away some of his talent that he's trying to win his first Stanley Cup with, exactly, probably wouldn't go over very well. I understand their decision, and if personality plays into it, then I can get behind it even a little bit more. Uh, this is a team that struggled in the culture area for quite some time. I think it was helped last year just by winning, but that was a problem. I think Stahl and helped. I do think Stahl, I do helped, think Stahl, Stahl yeah. helped, which was kind of unexpected, I right? I mean, he didn't have a reputation as a big-time leader or anything, but uh, his presence probably helped. If that's If you're saying, all right, Dumba drives us insane and isn't great for our locker room and Brodeen is great for our locker room and the actual difference, this guy's great at defense, this guy's great at offense, it leans toward Dumba, but not by a ton. Well, then maybe you say, okay, we're going to go with Brodeen because that guy drives us crazy. Yes. Then I can understand that decision. That might play a role, yeah. Otherwise, I would have gone with Matt Dumba to be the one who is protected. Uh, speaking of the locker room and the culture and so forth, is it interesting to you that Jason Pomonville, uh apparently did not waive his no trade, meaning they had to protect him?
0: I guess my question,
1: uh, it,
0: it would have been nice to have the option to protect Stahl. That being said, I don't think there's a chance that v- Vegas is going to take Stahl, and I don't think there's a chance that, that another team would go to the Golden Knights and say, all we want you to do is take Eric Stahl and we'll give up the farm. So from the standpoint of is it going to cost him a player that Pommelville didn't waive the no-move clause, no, not a big deal. That being said, I do have one question. Besides ego, why? Why not say yes? I mean, that contract that Pommelville has, bad contract, the fact that it includes a no-move clause is ridiculous. All that being said, if you go to Jason and say, Jason, look, you're an aging player. You've been disappointing for at least the last the last two years. You've been disappointing. Uh, There is not a team on this earth that's going to take your contract. There's not a team on this earth unless we pay most of it that's going to uh, trade for you. We want to expose you, but you're going nowhere. My question is, why, why wouldn't he have said yes unless he said, I just can't do it from a standpoint of, of I feel that it would be selling myself short or something weird. I don't get it.
1: I don't really get it either other than... I mean, this is right, so he can do it, but I don't understand. But if there's a 0% chance of you having to go play in Vegas versus a uh, 10% chance, maybe you just say, well, I'll just take the 0% chance instead, and you figure it out. You're the one that signed me to this contract. And when you signed me to this contract, expansion was a conversation in the National Hockey League. You knew that that could happen. You knew that this could be something down the road. And we both signed in the dotted line, so this is my right, and I'm going to take it. I understand from his standpoint. What I'm interested in is would anyone else have taken him in a trade, or did they just feel like, well, we don't want to trade him because he just had a pretty decent year. He had really a bounce back year under Boudreaux. Not enough for me though. If no, not chance, enough for me. If either. you
0: had a chance, if there was, if there was one of the teams on his no trade list that he he could have gone to, and they offered a thing for him, I would take it. I w- I would love to clear. That's a roster spot. This is a guy, and I mean his contract makes no sense. This is a guy <laughs> who came here from Buffalo and was given a five-year extension when he still had a year left on his Buffalo deal, his previous deal. Yeah. You gave him a five-year extension with a no-move tra- no move clause and a partial no-trade clause. Why on earth did you feel the need to give him that much? I mean, you basically gave him the farm, and I understand that, that you said a lot to Buffalo to get him, but all of that being said, this is the one thing I don't get. The no-move clauses now, Collar, amaze me. They're giving out like they're candy. I mean, everybody who's anybody gets one now, and it handicaps you. It handicaps you unnecessarily, unless we're talking about an absolute star player. I don't get why any of
1: these guys get those. And his does it reduced from complete to 20 teams to 10 teams. Okay. So at this point, they could trade him to two-thirds of the league. The problem is everyone knows you need to do it. Yeah, I know. going want You're going to have to give someone more. For them to take his deal. Yes. almost like, It would almost be like the Pavel Datsuk deal where yes. they gave a first-round pick, just to, which is one of the worst deals of all time. It has to be one of the worst That's deals Detroit ever. That's Detroit and Arizona, right? Yeah, it's Detroit. Because Detroit should have realized that their window was over at that point. Yeah, and no, they, they should have drafted Jacob they, Chickren
0: themselves. They didn't get out in time. But but the Pominville contract, I fault Fletcher and the team for. Because when you give basically a six-year extension, to a guy who's aging and and you give him basically what amounts to blanket security, that's just silly. And and now, to be clear, no trade and no move are different clauses. And I believe the no move clause essentially, it gives you what? It means you can't be sent down. I think you can't be waived. It, so basically, it establishes, an extra so it doesn't mean that there can't be a list of teams that you can't be traded to. Right. But what it does do, I believe, is it establishes more security for you. Parisi has one, I'm not surprised. Suter, same thing, not surprised. After that, if I'm this team, I wouldn't have given them to anyone, and if I'm not mistaken, Pominville and Koivu both got
1: them. You should never give them to an average player who is thirty years old. Sure. Basically. Ever. Yeah. You should just, anyone who in Pominville when he was in Buffalo in 2006 through maybe 2012, is a great player. I think he's a great top six forward. But at the point in his career, even when he signed the extension here, he's just an average top six winger. Mm-hmm. And now he's an average third line winger. Or maybe above average third line winger. But he's a third line winger. Which is good and helpful, but not at that price. Exactly. Yes, if, if you could go
0: uh, cut him right now, redo his contract football style, bring him back, that's fine. But the problem now is you are stuck with that contract in a league
1: where the salary cap is staying flat and it hurts you. Let me ask you a, a Vegas question before we wrap on this. Oh, I like that. Are they going to be good. I mean, I drafted my team was I, good. I thought about this. Your team was pretty decent. Yeah, you know what? Um,
0: I thought... Two weeks ago, I thought they could be really pretty good. After I did my draft, I think they'll be okay, not great. But here's the thing. If they're smart, if you're smart, what you do is this, I believe. Expansion. Expansion gives you a window to be crappy and to capitalize on that very fact, right? I mean, if you ever, the first few years, and I'm not, in this case, it's probably quicker, but let's just say the first two years or so, you can be a pretty bad team. You're going to draw, and guess what you should be doing? Getting high draft picks. Mm-hmm. So could they build a team that contends immediately? They probably could. If I'm McPhee, do I? No, absolutely not. I build a team that gives a nice effort on a nightly basis, Collar. But most importantly, I also say to myself, how do I get as many really good draft picks as possible? And and, and it sounds like from their approach to this expansion draft, that's their plan. And if that's their plan, they're smart.
1: I think that's a good plan. Um, But I also think that the cautionary tale to let's be really, really bad for a while is Columbus, who was really bad for a while and did get the top draft picks. Rick Nash being one of them and just couldn't ever get out of the mud. They were so bad and they had so many things go wrong. I mean, even I'm not saying that that's not the way to do it, because I am captain you're mr tanker truck tear- yeah
0: you're mr tear down yes
1: you're blowing tanker trucks up all over when Absolutely. it comes to sports don't give me Absolutely. anything about being good uh i thought about a military career because i love tanks so much but but well you're from buffalo of course well yeah they got jack eichel from tanky. he's pretty good no i know I'm with, hey, I'm with you for that, the most right part. It's, the the it's the way to do it expansion way to do it expansion's the time to do it the thing is that um, things done changed a little bit with the rules, and even this year, which I think was terrible, by the way, Vegas doesn't end up with the number one pick. They end up what are they sixth? Yeah, that's the whole. I don't. I, I don't mean, like even this if you tank and have the worst record, that doesn't guarantee you that you're going to get that top pick. And then what? But you know? can give yourself. But you've got a pretty good
0: chance of getting like a top three pick.
1: Yeah, you do. Yeah, and you can get good players. Patrick Linea is a very good player. Eichel's a number I'm, two. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't
0: think the expansion process of let's get a bunch of really gritty, solid veterans who are going to, you know, trap their asses off, and we're going to win two to one, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're going to sneak into the playoffs. To me, that's a snooze fest.
1: I think what you're looking for is somewhere in the middle. Sure. Matt Dumba is the perfect example of a player you want to pick because he's got more potential. He's got lots of years that you can have him. He's under control with the RFA, the way that works. Mm -hmm. And you think you can grow with that player. There aren't a lot of players of his caliber that are in this, but there's a handful. I saw you decided to draft Kirby Reichel. Yes. like Guys who are still considered prospect status. I think you draft a bunch of those guys, and then you throw in some veterans I don't think it would hurt Vegas in their long-term outlook because they're picking up so many first-round picks this year from other teams or very likely to. Yep. I don't think it hurts their long-term outlook to draft a team that both has long shots, Marco Dano, guys who have played a little bit in the league and shown some potential, and then also some veteran players who might not be around that long but could at least make give you a competitive product. I think what you don't want is to look like the Arizona Coyotes and the Sabers a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where your games are an abomination and everyone who goes to see them hates them. And you're and you're a, a veteran line. franchise too. At that point, that's what's embarrassing. I don't think you want. But you're. But at that point, though, if you're the Sabers, you can survive it as a franchise. Yeah. With Vegas, I think you've got to grab attention. Well, that's that's my question. If you okay,
0: so you're playing in, in a place where where you're going to get hopefully for your sake, tourists are going to watch you, and you're going to cultivate a fan base. Furthermore, Collar, you've just paid five hundred million dollars to get into the league. Right. So my question is this: Do the people that own this team come downstairs to George McPhee, their GM, and say, George, here's the deal: we want to compete from night one. I mean, they could. Yeah. They could because. And, and the the one race against the clock for this franchise that I'm curious to see is this. They're going to be the first real big professional sport in Vegas ever, correct? Well, now, all of a sudden, in a couple of years, you got the Oakland Raiders. Come. Right. So is there going to be inherent pressure to, to be like, we have to get recognized ASAP? So if we suck for two years, now the crowd's all going, let's go to the football game. Right, because so that's where that's where I do. I'm curious if they're going to treat this like a normal expansion, or if they're going to say, "Bleep it, we're paying way too much, and we
1: have to get attention from day one." Because if you made the playoffs in your first year as an expansion team, it would be a big story. The, I mean, it would be like a national story, national sports big story story to start with. Right? Yeah, Vegas is the first professional team is in the playoffs. There's going to be playoffs in Vegas.
0: XFL, of course. Yes. You remember the XFL? I do remember You saw the, the XFL Vegas XFL. franchise yes. there.
1: This is the XFL. Yes,
0: I watched that. It was a great 30 for 30. 30 that I was, was a wa- very good. I not oh. only watched that game live, I reviewed it for a TV column for the Star Tribune. Wow. The night of Dave, the Saturday night.
1: Tommy Maddox, the quarterback, right? Uh, Tommy Maddox or, or won the MVP of the league, but I don't know. I think know. he was Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't think he was but playing you know who that game. I think
0: he played for the Vegas Outlaws.
1: Who's that? Rod Smart. Oh, he hate AKA me. AKA he hate me. Yes, of course. I don't know why I brought that up, but I go ahead. Sorry. I, you know, upon review of that thirty for thirty, if they had just played it a little bit conservative, of course this is not the WWF or WWE now it way of playing it conservative. Yeah. But imagine you had just pitched it as, you know what, we're going to start this league. And we're going to have some more fun with it than maybe the NFL, but it's really going to be like a league that leads into the NFL. And we're going to get this contract, and we're going to get jerseys and players and teams and everything else. Sure. And we're going to play it totally legit, show up, root for your team. It's going to be great. I think they would have had a much better chance at succeeding than with... The cheerleaders that were supposed to dress like prostitutes. and We're going to take inside this, the cheerleaders' locker room was my favorite thing. Yeah, right. I mean, all that crazy stuff that led up to it. I mean, people were expecting it to look insane yeah. like the WWE. That's what they thought they were going to get. And then it kind of looked like regular football. And I remember I was one of the few people that awful. kept watching games. Oh, yes, How I old? watched. How I, old were you? Uh, p- probably Twelve or it's 13. 2000, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that would have put me at maybe fourteen years old. Okay. I watched all the games. Didn't you have anything to do? No. Smoke Look weed. At me now smoke weed. I start, don't do drinking now. start drinking early. Start drinking early. Drinking early. Do something. I OD on milk. I was talking about buying a house and putting in a film room. I mean, come on. The XF Yes, and, and in fact, they the, actually had some. I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Yep. They had some good, entertaining, actual football games around all the crazy what are you BS, of the one game but,
0: that they showed uh in in the coliseum where the, where it blacked out they lost the generator well that's the that one, was a good game
1: that's the one they talked about on the documentary yes. but i think the championship game was even it was even like a well-played game that's the thing is that the people they brought in the coaches the players they just wanted to play football yes they didn't want to do any of this wacky stuff that they were talking about rusty tillman and
0: who, who was he? He coached New oh, York, right. New yeah, Jersey, yeah, yeah. and and if I'm not mistaken, he was Ticey's special teams coach here.
1: Well, and that's the thing. He was a footballer. loved love football, just it was like you. It was really fascinating from their standpoint. Those were guys trying one last shot at actually making it, and – they were good players. Rod Smart played in the NFL, and Tommy Maddox came back and started for the Steelers. Rod, in
0: fact, the uh, 2003 playoff game I covered between the uh, Packers and Eagles in Philadelphia, Rod Smart, I believe, was playing for Philadelphia at that time. They did have a lot of crappy players, though.
1: Oh, yeah. They sure, had a lot sure, of sure. guys. Yep. In
0: fact, I'm so old-collar, I still remember the first game on ABC and I believe, 84, Donald Trump's New Jersey Generals <laughs> with Herschel Walker at running back. Yes. When the, U, when the USFL was going to be the next big, the, the spring league, the USFL. And it's amazing. It is, throughout the uh, course of sports history, really starting probably in the 60s with the AFL, it is amazing the amount of leagues that have tried to challenge. You know, you had the AFL got absorbed. The ABA got, what, four or five, four teams, I believe, absorbed. The WHA got absorbed. The Whalers, the Oilers, the Nordiques, and the Jets. Uh, the XFL. though, that was uh, yeah, that was quite
1: the experiment. There was another one absorbed. a few years ago. The USFL or no, the UFL, UFL, UFL. Yes. because I think there were there might have been a Vegas team there. Yes, that signed JP Lossman, former Bills quarterback, to for one million dollars. I remember this. They made the same or some of the same mistakes, like. They tried to play in the biggest venues. They try. They didn't get a really good TV contract. They paid too that. much for certain. They players paid way too them. much for yep. certain players. J.P. Lossman. I still think it could
0: work. Quick story: the year that J.P. Lossman uh, was in the draft, Mike Sherman, then the Packers GM, loved him. Wanted to draft him. Really? If the Green Bay Packers had drafted J.P. Lossman, my guess is there's a very good chance that Ted Thompson doesn't turn around a couple years after and draft. Aaron Rodgers, because because <laughs> where where Rodgers went, he just free fell, and the Packers are like, okay, we got five. He's thirty something. Let's take this kid. Right. I believe that if the Bills hadn't taken Lossman and the Packers have, there's a very good chance that Aaron Rodgers is playing football somewhere else today.
1: I don't know how exactly it worked out, but there was also a story that the Bills really wanted Roethlisberger, that they that Roethlisberger was their guy and they were going to pick him, and then you know it didn't. It's amazing work out. how the course of History could have changed through simple moves like this anyway
0: this are we was, done with this hockey this, podcast this was
1: a hockey podcast but you know they took the 30 for 30s off Netflix that's too bad I, we're gonna have to talk with Ben Gessling about this the, the July PSPN one guy.
0: the July one will be I believe it's July 13th Thursday night if I'm not mistaken will be the Mike and Mike 30 for 30. WFAN. the most oh yeah. are, arguably yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that term one of if not the most powerful Sports show of all time. The Mike uh, Mike and the Mad Dog, excuse me, not Mike and Mike. That's clearly the show yeah, that's that we why carry got, that's why in the morning. I'm sorry about that. Mike and the Mad Dog, Mike Russo and Mike Francesa. That's going to be their next 30 for 30.
1: That's okay. all I got for you. I'm done. Watch that. Uh, hockey.
0: I have reached my contractual limit of time. I have to be on.
1: Hockey. Bye.